You're listening to the Today's Family Lawyer podcast, the leading source of daily news and insight for family law practitioners in England and Wales. Sign up to our free weekly newsletter at todaysfamilylawyer.co.uk and subscribe to hear all the latest news and views from across the family law sector. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Hello and welcome along to the latest Today's Family Lawyer podcast. Today we're talking divorce. Not always my favourite subject, if I'm completely honest, but definitely a favourite subject for our guests today, Annabelle Andreo, who's a family divorce lawyer at Debenhams Ottaway. Uh, Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you for having me, David. Nice to be here. Tell us a little bit about your experience uh, in the team at Debenhams Ottaway and your experience as, uh, as a divorce lawyer. So I joined Debenhams Ottaway in April 2021 after qualifying in August 2020. So I was quite junior when I joined the team. So for quite a few months of that start period, I was finding my feet still. And that's when I really started doing more finance work within divorce so doing financial proceedings negotiations to try and reach a settlement I also started doing things such as prenuptial agreements and postnuptial agreements and I also do quite a lot of children work as well and that's where there's often disputes between parents um, sometimes even, even when grandparents are involved as well and again trying to reach a settlement to help them uh, move on and find an arrangement that's best for the children. I said with my tongue in my cheek that divorce isn't a favourite subject of mine. I mean, ultimately, as family lawyers, it's something that you have to deal with on a on a pretty regular basis. Today, we're going to talk about a concept that you've described to me as a good divorce. Perhaps as family lawyers, you guys would better understand that. But for, for my benefit, could you give me a bit of an idea about what a good divorce means to you? So I would probably say it's one where everything stays calm and the temperature is relatively low. And I think it's not necessarily what it is, but more what it looks like. And a good divorce will look like one where the parties retain an element of respect and patience towards one another. I think patience is really key because one party will always maybe be in shock about the divorce. They might not be able to keep up with the speed that the divorce is running at. And there's also quite a lot of admin when getting a divorce, especially when you're dealing with the finances. And that will usually have to be getting all your paperwork in order, sending that maybe to a solicitor or a mediator, depending on who's assisting you. And sometimes parties can find that stressful. So being able to have patience for that other person so that they can get their stuff together is really important. I think another feature of what it looks like as well is definitely non-litigious. We're not going to court if we're having a good divorce. So you might be going to mediation to to, to resolve the negotiations and to reach a financial settlement. Equally, you might be doing it through solicitors. And just because you're doing it through solicitors doesn't in any way mean it's acrimonious. You're just having support of an independent legal advisor. Um, And probably the final thing that it looks like, it's constructive. You are thinking about moving on and taking the next step as you know individuals rather than a couple um and that's a really big part of it you're you're forward thinking it's not about winning it's not about points here and there you're thinking about moving forward together this might be a controversial question 
we're only a few minutes into the podcast, so why not? Are all family lawyers looking for a good divorce? I think that's quite a a big question, really, because you would like to hope that most divorce lawyers are looking to assist their clients with a good divorce, because that's what our code of conduct, which is called resolution, that's what it encompasses. Because a divorce is not about us. It's about our clients. We're just the the facilitators because we're the one with the legal knowledge and we know how to execute that. But a client's divorce has nothing to do with us whatsoever because we're not the ones who, who live through this every day and we're not the ones who live after this. I mean, from a commercial perspective, usually a good divorce is a relatively shorter and smaller piece of work because there's no need to go to court. And some would say that, you know, going to court is is where fees can be charged. So, yes, commercially, that can sometimes have a hit. But at the same time, you need to be thinking in a different approach. You need to think holistically. So making your client feel supported and knowing that you're trying to do this in a constructive way to help them in the long term and also help their children if they've got children, that can be a commercially different point of view because that's how you make people feel confident in you and they might refer you to people in the future. So I, I would like to think that all lawyers are are encouraging and promoting of a good divorce. Um, but at the same time, it's it's what's right. And this is this, this is quite a hard area of law to practice in. And I think you need to be doing this knowing that you're you're genuinely trying to help people in what is a, such a difficult circumstance. There's a whole range of emotion that goes into a divorce. And I I wholeheartedly accept that a good divorce looks like an even temperature, a non-litigious event. However, the reality is that there are so many scenarios in which a good divorce presumably just simply isn't possible. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the obvious one at first would be where there is a history of domestic abuse in the relationship. And however that looks like, that might be financial abuse that might be coercive and controlling behaviour because in those situations there will inevitably some be some sort of power imbalance maybe a good divorce just isn't achievable and maybe you do need to be completely separated maybe you cannot communicate with one another all communications are to go through solicitors you can't even think about the idea of going into mediation together it's just not going to be possible but it doesn't mean to say that you need to go to court to resolve matters but what it will mean is that you are just entirely separate you are not doing this divorce together you are complete individuals and you are just trying to move on with this and get as far away from your from your spouse as as possible just to sort of think about what it might look like if I've got a couple who I know there is tension, but they can sometimes talk about things together. I might say, sit down with a drink of your choice, whether that's a coffee or a wine, and think about what needs to be sorted out and see what you can discuss together, because they'll always be the people who know their case better. They will know what they need. They will know what their children need. However, a couple who can't engage in a good divorce We'll just do everything through solicitors. They, they do not want to talk to each other. They might not even be living with one another anymore. And everything will go through lawyers or other professionals. Is there a time frame that works best for a good divorce? We're not necessarily wanting to do it immediately after the separation. 
or are we? Not really. I mean, th- there are lots of couples who will be thinking about the idea of a divorce and maybe even like living separately before they actually take real steps to progress a divorce. Um, sometimes a good divorce might actually look quite slow because, as I said to you earlier, it's about patience. So if one party maybe needs a bit of time to maybe go to some therapy or just take their time dealing with all the finances, maybe because they've got other things going on, that is a good divorce because it's recognition and respect from the other party. Sometimes what you could do if you were in quite a litigious situation, if the other party was being slow, maybe because they were stressed or in a state of depression or anxiety, the other person could issue financial remedy proceedings to get the benefit of a court timetable in place. Now, I would say that's probably not a good divorce because you're now entering litigation. So there is no timescale and it's about how it feels. How does this divorce feel? What is the relationship between the parties like? And then there's got to be a recognition of real life happens in the background. Um, I, I had a case recently where things were moving at quite a quick pace. And then one party, her mum had a fall and she had to go and look after her mum. And, and assist her mum with moving into a care home. And th- that's why, because that's real life. And fortunately, the other party just said, OK, fine, you're going through a lot. Let's just leave it for a few weeks. That That is a good divorce. It's how it feels, it's how it looks. It's not about time scales. What about blame? Because we've had the no-fault divorce legislation come into effect. Does the fact that we no longer need to assign blame help with a good divorce? I think it can. And I think the fact that you don't have to write a petition with, you know, five or six reasons is helpful. That being said, I think it can be a bit compressive in the sense that people used to find it quite a cathartic process. And now they're looking to sometimes apportion blame elsewhere. So in the For Me, Section 4.4 is about conduct. And very rarely do we actually complete that because the threshold is so high. Now, there might be within the for me other ways that you could maybe say about the relationship generally. And because clients no longer get the opportunity to set out why they're getting a divorce and whose fault it was, that in inverted commas, they now feel that they need to get that in writing elsewhere. And I think if you're a lawyer advocating for a good divorce, you need to remind them that that's not what we're here to do. We're forward thinking. Because in most cases, it's about the party's needs and helping them to move forward independently. We're not looking back, we're looking forward. And so I think if you're if you're a lawyer promoting a good divorce, you will encourage your client and support your client to not use any part of the divorce or the financial settlement um, work to, to start finding blame and to start writing blame as well. And sometimes if a client is in a is in a position where they really just need to get it out they should be exploring other avenues and as a good lawyer you know you should be saying okay think about therapy think about counseling because the the, the family law and divorce arena is not the place for that and, and also as lawyers we shouldn't be giving that support and advice that that's not our job we're not qualified to do that so at the moment it's a bit sort of two token that's really interesting because the other thing, the other side of that coin is is punishment. If there is blame, even if it's not written down, there is a, a feeling of the need to punish 
the other party, particularly if if uh, there's been infidelity of, of some description. How do you as lawyers get your client to move away from that need to punish? I think it's got to be from the outset because usually, and you do see it in cases, like you say, of, of infidelity, where from the outset they just want to make sure that they win, inverted commas, because they have been let down and up and hurt by their partner. And so you have to go from the outset that this is not what it's about. And that that is difficult news to deliver to a client. And there are all sorts of reasons why that might feel unfair. But that is not what the family court is designed to do in this country. You know, it's a court where needs need to be established, needs need to be met. And the matrimonial pot really will be distributed on that basis. So, yes, it might be the case that your partner has left you and that really hurts and that has broken the family and that has really upset your children. But nonetheless, the, the principles remain the same. And I think saying that from the offset allows that person to process that and in their own time move on. Whilst at the same time, you say, you know, think about maybe counselling, think about maybe some therapy to assist you in moving on and getting through these feelings of hurt and pain. Because ultimately, when you start to deal with the money and the finances and the property, that's you've got to come in, into that with a business attitude. And you can't let feelings of hurt and upset diffuse your mind when you've got to be thinking really about your your future and your children's future. How much are clients entering this process without really fully understanding that, though? Because you think about depictions on television, popular culture, that kind of thing. I'm not completely convinced that people come into a divorce proceeding with that mindset. Is is that your experience? That is my experience. I think people always want to ensure that they're going to be okay. But I think a lot of clients don't really know what that looks like and how you're going to reach that end goal. And to be honest, why why would you? Um, without sort of having legal training, why would you know to complete the form E? And so forth. I mean, even when I look at a for me, there are parts of it that that can seem quite confusing and can seem quite daunting. And also, what do you do after you've exchanged forms E? I do think as well now that divorce is so easy online, because a lot of people used to come to a lawyer to do their divorce. That's when you've got the advice about how to deal with the finances. But now that people are just doing their divorces online, there is real no real. Okay, now you need to deal with the finances, and this is how you do it. And there's all sorts of discussions between them. And there's lots of literature online about how, how this can be best best be addressed. But I do think clients don't ever envision how difficult a divorce can be. And I think sometimes you never know how your spouse is going to react. You might have been with your spouse for 20, 30 years. And then when we start talking about money and property, that might be a totally different feeling altogether. Um, they might have totally different attitudes. And that's sometimes when it can be hard. And that's when we just need to think, what are we trying to achieve here? What do we want to do in the long term? You talked about the fact that you have worked on prenups and, and postnups. To what extent are they preparing the ground for a, a good divorce? They set out, I guess, a first basis of understanding of what the other person's financial situation is. Um, I will see lots of couples who are divorcing where they don't really understand what the family finances are. They don't really understand what their partner has. So first of all, I guess, 
by doing the prenuptial agreement or even a postnuptial agreement, it opens up the way for transparency. You know what there is and what the other person earns. I think it also sets out in advance, in the event that you do get a divorce, what is the outcome going to be? It's hoped that there is going to be no litigation because you've already set out the foundations. Now, yes, there's every possibility that the terms need to be altered and adjusted because maybe things change. But at the same time, all well-prepared prenuptial agreements should have a review clause where you review in the event that you've got a child, if there's a, a change in health, um, if there's a change in finances. But ultimately, what you should be doing is being ready to transfer your prenuptial agreement into a financial consent order. So you should be taking out that negotiation stage, you should be taking out that litigation, absolutely, and you should be able to deal with the matter quite constructively and quite amicably. And again, with respect for one another, this is what you agreed and this should now be executed. So it takes away sometimes the nitty gritty and knotty area that we all fear could happen at any time if the temperature changes and if there's a switch in in the feeling. You touched on the way in which a good divorce has got positive and negative commercial ramifications for lawyers. It could take longer. It could be quite a short process. What are the commercial considerations are there around promoting good divorce in, within the family team? It's an element of knowing that you're doing right. And I think that can bring a great deal of positivity within to your team. And I think when you've got a team who knows that they're working for the best interest of their clients, they're working in a positive and respectful way to their clients, that makes it for a brilliant workspace. And I think if you've got that, that really retains your talent as a team because you want to work there and you want to continue bouncing off one another's positive energy and one another's successes. And I think that in turn goes to then how you recruit talent as well. Because you can honestly say that you are a positive team who work in a constructive and amicable way. And that also shows as well with your competitors. Um, the fa family law circles and the family team across the country are, is actually quite small. Everyone seems to know everyone, especially when you're working in a county. So I work in Hertfordshire and there are quite a few big teams and we all know one another. And it's brilliant when you can have a good relationship with another competitor. So if you're known to be an amicable and sensible lawyer, that means you know you will be working with someone else who might share that same value. And you can both work in a way that reaches a conclusion and both of your clients are happy. I think that's got what, what it's got to be about. And equally, yes, that then might fall its hands into recruitment. Someone might say, I want to join that team. They always seem to be working really well with other lawyers working well with their clients. I want to be part of that. Is there a real scramble for talent in family law? I mean, you look at some of the other areas of law uh, and, and the recruitment challenges. Listeners to the podcast will be aware that we have a today's conveyancer podcast and conveyancing in particular is really struggling to recruit talent at the moment. Is there that challenge for talent in the family law arena? I wouldn't say there's that struggle for talent. I think because it's such a competitive area, it's more retention. And because there are so many brilliant family law teams now, yes, maybe because of the emphasis of the good divorce and with real pushes and support from resolution that we've got, there is a 
brilliant range of scope and and talent with, within this area. So it's just about ret retaining that. And again, that's why it's got to be on family law teams and family law partners to really promote that success and and positivity within within their own group and and, and leadership. We're recording the podcast a week before Resolutions Good Divorce Week, which I know you are supporting Annabelle and I know Debenhams Ottaway are supporting. How important is that as a message to the family law community and the educating the wider national community? It is really important because it shows what we're about as family lawyers and what we're committed to. The resolution code of conduct is really important in reminding us and almost grounding us really what it is we do who we act for and why we do it and that really comes down to quite ethical questions really about best interests of your client ensuring that you can help them move on and promoting and supporting their children even if you're not working with a divorcing couple about child arrangements because they've been able to deal with that there's still got to be that recognition that they've got children and that those children need to be supported. So having this national campaign about a good divorce and why it's important and why it should be celebrated and emphasised is massive. And I think as well, it will give clients an opportunity to realise that their lawyer will be supporting them. I still do believe there is a somewhat negative stigma about some lawyers. And now being able to say that you are a lawyer who genuinely support and echoes ideas of the good divorce will really hopefully get that client on board with you and say that we're, we're going to be working through this together and we're going to work through this divorce together so that we can get a brilliant outcome that allows you to move on independently. And I think that's what it's really got to be about. And I think as well between lawyers, it's got to say that I'm ready to work with you in a sensible and collaborative way so that we can move on and help our clients without the need for tit-for-tat correspondence, without the need for point scoring in inverted commas um, and allowing them to take the next step in what their life will be in the future. Do you think family law is shedding that stigma around the traditional view that it wasn't particularly engaged in mediation or alternative dispute resolution. Do you think that actually we're now moving in a direction more toward encouraging the good divorce? I think the majority of us are trying to. Sometimes it, it won't be possible just because maybe of the client way and, and, and their manner and their attitude. But I think as lawyers, we are trying to promote it from the offset. I think it will largely be dependent sometimes on that firm's culture and that firm's attitude as to how they approach their client's needs, their client culture, their client experience. And I think, as we discussed earlier, there is sometimes a real monetary recognition of this as well. If you've got a good divorce whereby the parties maybe go to mediation and then your only involvement is preparing the financial consent order, if you compare that to the fees which might be raised in comparison to a full-blown litigation where you're going to final hearing, that is significant and that is tens of thousands of pounds which will not be billed. But like I said earlier, I think we as a community of lawyers are getting better at recognising this is not about us, this is not our divorce and this is not our future. So if if we continue to echo that message, 
you will see fees, but in a different light, you will see them through referrals. You will see them through more work. You might also see them through cross referrals because that client might want to stay working with your firm, whether it might be to do their will, to do their conveyancing or to do something else. So it's got to be a switch in the general attitude from the firm's needs ultimately to client experience and to client culture. I think that's a really neat summary of the discussion, Annabelle. And I really, really appreciate you joining the podcast today. Thank you very much indeed. It's been a delight to have you on. Thank you very much, David. I think you've laid a challenge out as well to people listening that good divorce is possible. And I think you've really scoped out what a good divorce might look like as well. So thank you very much indeed. The Today's Family Lawyer podcast is available on your preferred podcast provider. It's also available on todaysfamilylawyer.co.uk. My thanks to Annabelle. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again soon. You're listening to the Today's Family Lawyer podcast, the leading source of daily news and insight for family law practitioners in England and Wales. Sign up to our free weekly newsletter at todaysfamilylawyer.co.uk and subscribe to hear all the latest news and views from across the family law sector. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.